Well, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn with me or your phone or however your iPad or however you do it now. Um, turn with me to Mark chapter 11. And uh, we're finishing a series today called How to Change a World. And last week, I believe, uh, Pastor Joel preached on priority of prayer. And, and as, I, as I began to pray and I was doing some international travel um, a couple weeks ago and, and part of it just for my role with Gateway and I was doing some trips and I was praying over this weekend and, and you know, it's Palm Sunday weekend, right? This is, this is the weekend. This is the time. It's kind of like Super Bowl week. I mean, this is when we, we begin to really celebrate um, the, the last week of Jesus' life on earth. Um, this is when, when, and we'll unpack this a little bit here in a minute, but this is when he, he enters Jerusalem on a cult and all the fanfare and everybody's worshiping him for different reasons at that time. And, and then as towards the end of the week, as we know, this is where he's heading towards the cross. Um, and, and his disciples don't realize that. I mean, they, he's been telling them this stuff, but they don't, they don't get it at this point in, in the narrative. But he's heading towards the cross and, and there's going to be a death. There's gonna, he's going to die, and he knows it, and, and he's, he's heading that way, and then, and then, again, they don't realize this, but after that, what, there's the resurrection that we're going to celebrate uh, next weekend. And as I begin to prepare for this weekend, you know, God began to give me the constructs of the principles of the things that he wanted me to talk about, and, and I started praying and just making notes, and I was on a bunch of airplanes, and just you know, writing down things and thinking, and and I love how the Lord He's so gracious with me at times. You know, it's 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 you know, I said, well, man, Lord, I could I could talk about this passage and this and this, and He goes, no, just talk about go through Mark 11, and I'm going, oh God, it's just a triumphal entry. It's you know, it's awesome, but man, there's some other great stories in here and things. He goes, yeah, I know, but I want you to talk about Mark 11. Finally, I'm going, man, Lord, I really think I ought, and He goes. Okay, just trust me on this. Okay, will you talk about Mark 11? So I was like, okay. So I started reading Mark 11. And I started just feeding my spirit on that one chapter. And as, as I began to do that, it was really awesome how the Holy Spirit just began to pull out truths and, um, and that we're going to talk about today. And, and the subtitle of today's message is this. It's, it's Pathways to Purpose. And you like how I tied it into the pathways, yeah? See, the jokes get better, I'm telling you. Just, just hold on. It gets better, I promise. Um, but it really is. It, God began to reveal to me, and some of it in my own story and in the story of my family and the, and, and the journeys that he's, he's had me on, but he began to reveal pathways that are tied to principles that's tied to your purpose. And, and we're going to unpack that today. So um, let me set up kind of the, the idea of what's going on in this passage. So um, this is the, the beginning of the triumphal entry. He's, he's, he's getting ready to enter Jerusalem, as I said, on a colt. And, and imagine if you were um, there, like me. I mean, people are people, you know, different centuries, different demographics, but, but individuals are individuals. You know, there's men, there's women. I mean, we all have, you know, there's kids and families and and jobs and desires and dreams and aspirations and things. And, and so this... This whole city is in, in a very uh, busy time because it's leading up to Passover. And during that culture, there's people from everywhere in that city. 
And so as Jesus is getting ready to enter the city, they've heard of him or, or maybe followed him from a distance or maybe followed him close. And, and there's political activists there, and they're thinking, you know what, okay, this guy's going to overthrow, overthrow the Roman rule. And then there's people there who, whose loved one is sick, and so they're hoping that maybe they wave those palm branches that maybe Jesus will heal their, their family. And then there's others who maybe they just need a job, right? And they're, they're there, and they're saying, you know what, maybe if I worship this guy, Jesus, he'll just provide for what I need in my, my life, a job. And, and then there's others there who, like us, that we really, you know, we follow Jesus. We love Jesus, and, and we're just excited to be there and see what he's going to do. Regardless of why the people were there, they all had an agenda, but Jesus was on a mission. He was on a purpose. He was very clear on who he is, who he was and who he is. And he was very clear on what he was going to do. And he was on a, a laser-focused purpose heading his way towards the cross. And he knew it. And so embedded in this story, in this narrative, we're going to look at five things that we can pull from this that as we search and discover what our purpose is and how we live that out. How do we stay on track? What are the pathways that's going to help us stay on track? Um, as I've worked with leaders, uh, part of what I do is I do leadership coaching and I work with pastors and churches and nonprofits and, and for Gateway. And, and as I've worked with individuals, literally in Cambodia and Germany and the UK and the United States. Most of my roles works now with the United States. But, but as I've traveled all over and worked with eclectic people from all different nationalities, I, I've seen a pattern of phases that people go through when they're pursuing or trying to discover or pursue their purpose. And, and I've seen this own pattern in my life. And, and the pattern looks something like this. There's kind of four main phases. Um, and uh, I'll kind of spend a few minutes unpacking it. So here it is. The first phase is there's kind of an awakening and awareness phase. And this is, this is a time in your life, a time when, when something happens. There's some turning point. There's some event. There's something that kind of triggers some thought that, that causes you to say, you know, maybe there is more that I can do with my life. Maybe there's something that you know, I want to have some kind of contribution. Maybe you read an article or you see some newsreel or you hear about Mother Teresa or you hear somebody's story and it causes some kind of an awakening in, in your mind, in your heart, and you begin to say to yourself, huh, maybe there's more. Maybe there's more I can do. And it, it kind of gives way to the next phase. And the next phase is what we call the searching and discovering phase. And this is where you will kind of really go on a search. You start to maybe take personality tests and you start to read books and you start to maybe take spiritual gifts tests or, or Myers-Briggs you know, uh, assessments, personality assessments. or you, you just start to go on this searching, this searching and discovering season, this searching and discovering phase. And you're looking for, okay, what is it? What, how am I made? What could be my highest contribution? How did the Lord make me? What is out there? What opportunities are out there? You know, what does that mean? And then that kind of, as you begin to walk through that phase, it kind of gives, uh, it kind of gives way to the next phase. And the next phase is what we call the surrendering and owning phase. 
And what happens in the surrendering and owning phase is, is once you're awakened and then you kind of discover, well, this is who I am and this is what God is saying about my life, then there becomes a surrendering phase where you have to surrender to the new reality. This is where you've got to grapple with, oh, I've got to make some decisions here. This is where maybe faith comes into play and you have to take that step. You've got to step out of the boat. You've got to make that move. You've got to say, okay, I'm either going to surrender and own this of what God is saying, or I'm going to live in denial, right? Which is a river in Egypt. Yeah. Get the joke. Sorry. It's okay. Maybe it's a Dallas thing. I don't know. Um, anyway, and then the last phase is this, and, it, and these are cyclical, okay? But these, these kind of, my, my life and other lives of people that I've worked with, it, it kind of continues to, to go around in circles. But the last phase is this, the sifting phase. This is, where, this is where storms come. This is where there's a sifting. This is where it gets hard. This is where deserts happen. This is, this is a sifting, a shifting, um, but it's also a focusing time. This is where God uses this phase to shift and move and focus and cause you to totally realign everything according to what he's calling you to do for that season. Okay, And so as, as we think about um, these pathways that we're going to unpack, think about your story in those phases and where you are on your journey. And hopefully through this conversation, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to reveal some things to you. So let's start with uh, verse 1, Mark chapter 11. And uh, we'll go through this and unpack it. So as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied it at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus told them to, and the people let them go. So imagine if you're two, it doesn't name these disciples, but it's two of his disciples. And so Jesus goes to two of them and says, hey guys, um, would you do me a favor? Would you go over here and there's, there's, you're going to find this colt um, that nobody's written on, but you're going to find this colt and I want you to bring it to me. Um, and oh, by the way, if anybody asks, just say I need it and they'll let, they'll let it go. Now, I, I wish I could say that in my own walk with the Lord, as, as things have come at me and assignments have come at me and opportunities have come at me, that I would just, I would have been one of the guys just so excited to go get a donkey for Jesus, right? But I imagine that it, as I think about my own <laughs> immaturity over the years, I probably would have looked at that and said, really? You just want me to go get a donkey? I mean, man, God, I could go, you know, prep the crowd. I could go, man, gather some palm branches and start, you know, a big fanfare. And we could, we could go make funnel cakes at the Jerusalem, you know, we'll, we'll get ready for, yeah, Todd, I get it. Just go get the donkey for me and bring it here. 
See, what these two guys didn't know and, and what we sometimes forget is that that, that one act was fulfilling a 500-year-old prophecy about Jesus. Here's the principle. Here's the pathway. Realize the reality of divine appointments and divine assignments. See, these guys were actually the instruments that God used, that Jesus used, to fulfill a prophecy tied to him over 500 years earlier. It was a simple act of obedience of the master. It was a simple thing he said to them is, hey, would you just go get a donkey and bring it to me? And very easily, when we come across divine assignments and divine appointments, we don't know them until afterwards. So uh, a couple weeks ago, um, I flew with uh, one of the pastors on Staff Gateway to Switzerland to, uh, we, we do a thing called learning communities with churches there, and it's a long story. But bottom line is, you know, I, I, I've had a, I have a full schedule, a lot going on, you know, a lot of travel, and, and you know, I was, quite frankly, I was kind of tired, and, and a couple weeks prior he asked me to go, and and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'll go. I mean, you know, um, I got enough to do, right? And Lisa and I were talking about it. She goes, are you sure? I mean, you're committing to this trip, and you've got this going on, and this, and this, and this. And I said, you know, I just, I feel like I'm supposed to go, and, and I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And so, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going, and I'm not begrudgingly going, but, you know, I'm, I've got a lot on my mind and my heart, and so we get on the plane in, in JFK, and we're getting ready to head over to Switzerland in the evening, evening flight. And um, the, 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 way, the uh, flight attendant, she was probably mid-60s, um, uh, from, from Switzerland, blonde-haired, you know, a little rough around the edges, you know, and kind of broken English, and, and, and she was kind of waiting on me. But she, was, she was really nice, but just kind of really spunky, you know, which I kind of like, getting a fight or something. But, but you know, she, she was real nice. And so I just said, hey, how you doing? And, and she just looked at me and she goes, I'm blankety blank, blah, blank, not doing well. I just found out my best friend died as I boarded this plane. And I'm not a real smart guy, but, you know, in that moment, I'm going, ding, ding, ding. Okay, Lord, this is a divine appointment. This whole trip, there's going to be a lot of stuff you're going to do, God, but you've put this lady right here, right now. She just found out, like literally before the plane doors closed. And so I had the opportunity to minister to this lady. And I, you know, I didn't go shakamai, you know, start running around the plane and everything, right? But I, I just started talking to her. And I just said, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I didn't say I'm a Christian because, you know, culturally that means a lot of things to different people, right? I said, you know, I follow Jesus Christ and... And I'd love to just pray for you. And so I just, a couple different times, I just spoke life over her and just prayed for her. And you know, you could just, you could see the peace just come on her. And, um, and it was a divine appointment. It was a divine assignment. And sometimes, here's, here's the thing I don't want you to forget. Receive what's been given. Don't rush to take what's promised. As, as God has opened up opportunities for you here to serve and things come at you and Pastor Marty or the other pastor say, hey, would you consider doing this? 
considered it a divine appointment or divine assignment because it, it's probably at some level going to be tied to your purpose. But that's the pathway God uses. He uses baby steps. He doesn't say, go take the Himalayas. Right? He's saying just one step at a time. Does that make sense? And oh, by the way, in the story, she started throwing all kinds of candy at me and everything else, the whole flight. It was great. I had all kinds of food. So it was awesome. It was awesome. It really was. It was amazing. Um, sorry. It's kind of selfish, but that's okay. Um, all right. Uh, verse 7. So the first thing is realize the reality of divine appointments and assignments. Verse 7. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heavens. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. You know, what's really interesting about this is we, we probably, I would assume, we could all agree today that if there's anybody in the entire history of the world or the universe that had the right to, to parade into the city on a big stallion with all the force and power and pomp and circumstance, it would have been Jesus Christ. Right? And in that moment in time, in that moment in history, the thing I love, continue to love about Jesus is, and he did this, he does this throughout the gospel narrative. If you go back and read, you see this embedded throughout the narrative. In the last week of his life, he's still doing this with his disciples. He's modeling how you take over a world. He didn't take over the world with power and, and conquering and blood and, and meanness, the way kings did in that culture. What did he do? He came with love, acceptance, grace, humility. He rode in on a cult, which in that culture, that related to being able to relate to the common man. And he came in in the midst, leading to the cross, knowing he's going to rise from the dead, and, and the linchpin of our faith, the resurrection. He's changing entire course of humanity. He decides to go into Jerusalem on a donkey. Here's the principle. Here's the pathway that I want you to remember. As you're thinking about pathways to your purpose, retain an attitude of humility. Always maintain. Always retain. Remember that the pathway to your purpose is never, ever going to deviate from that. And humility is not an external thing, is it? It's here. It's a heart that is submitted to the Father. It's a heart that says, you know what, Lord? I'm submitted to you. I, you want me to go over and give a cup of cold water in your name? I'm going to do that. And I'm excited to do it. But it's a heart that's so in touch with Jesus' love for people that you maintain, you retain an attitude of humility. Enter your opportunities from a posture of humility. Mark 10, 43, he, just in the previous chapter, he just taught his disciples this. And so he's now modeling. Listen to this scripture. It says, 43, it says, Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave 
of all. And so as you think about and, and wherever you are in those phases, whenever you begin to discover how God's made you and, and what your highest contribution in life, and I know, I believe uh, you guys are going to be entering a season here in a couple weeks where you're going to be able to get into some discipleship and maybe there's opportunities for you to plug in and serving somewhere or join a life group or lead a life group or small group or, or whatever. But whatever that is, and you begin to actually pursue that, make sure you don't forget to, to retain an attitude of humility. All right, let's go on. Verse 12. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it, wasn't, it was not the season for figs. If you underline or highlight in your Bible, underline that statement because it was not the season for figs. Verse 14. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat of your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Skip down with me to verse 20. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Here's what's really interesting about that passage. So this is probably maybe nine year, eight or nine years ago, I, I was reading this, this passage. And, you know, I use a life journal reading plan, and so I'll read, you know, through the New Testament so many times a year, and the Old Testament, and all this stuff. And I was, I was reading this passage, and this is one of the ones that, quite frankly, annoyed me, one of the passages. And I, I would, I mean, I periodically pray to Jesus about this. I would say, Lord, I just, I just don't get it. You said in your word, it was not the season for figs. And yet, you went over to the tree, and you expected fruit, and then when it was, there wasn't any fruit on it, you cursed it. I just don't understand. And listen, folks, I understand there's theological to, to that passage tied to the Old Testament and Israel. I get all that. Okay, I'm just talking to you about the principle that I'm going to pull out of what the Lord told me in this passage. So here's what he said to me one day. I'll never forget this. He said, Todd, never let season dictate your fruit bearing. Amen. Never let season dictate your fruit bearing. John 15, what does Jesus say? I'm the vine. You're the branch. If you stay connected to me, what does he say? You will bear much fruit. If you stay connected to me, you're going to bear fruit. You cannot help Todd. He kept telling me, Todd, you're not going to be helped. You will not be able to stop bearing fruit if you stay connected to me. Because I'm the vine. You're the branch. Stay connected to me. Here's what happens. So in 2 Corinthians 3.18, there's a scripture and it says this. It says, we are all being transformed from glory to glory. Y'all know that passage? And the idea is there, the, the glory, the, the word we get there being transformed is the word metamorphosis in the Greek. And it's what we get the English word metamorphosis. But we're, we're, we're moving from glory to glory. We're not moving from desert to glory to desert. We're moving from glory to glory. Here's what happens in my life 
And here's what happens in your life. We get caught in the two. We get caught in the space from going from glory to glory. We get stuck in the two. And, and we get stuck in that space in between sometimes. This is where deserts happen. This is where storms happen. This is where we just get stuck and everything around us begins to taste like sand. And we get tired. And we get weary. And we get dis disenfranchised. And we get discouraged. Does that sound like anybody in our society today? Yeah. Right? And it, we don't get to clip out of this stuff, right? We, we go through seasons. We go through times in our life. And, and the, the, the pathway to your purpose is the third thing is this always respond to the season you're in okay if you find yourself in a desert dig a well dig a well a pastor larry stockstill said this go figure right joel was here last week he said this about deserts there's something about deserts that unplugs you from absolutely anything and everything in the lonely, barren heat of the desert is where you discover inner water. And, and as we were worshiping this morning, um, I, I really want to, to, to spend a moment. And um, I felt like this morning that there's somebody here, maybe more than one person, that you're, you're stuck, the place you're stuck right now, the season you're in right now, is a season of fear. You're dealing with a season of fear that it's a torrent, a storm of constant fear and tension in your life. And, and I want to take a, a quick moment. If that's you, if you just raise your hand or whatever, I want to pray for you. Hmm. Okay. Okay. If you Keep your hand up. If you're near this person, would you just stretch your hand towards them? And just touch them on the shoulder? Father, in the name of Jesus we break fear off these people. Your word says, you don't give us a spirit of fear. You give a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. And so, peace be still in the name of Jesus. Rest, peace. Spirit of fear, the Lord Jesus rebuke you off of these people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray no more anxiety, no more stress. May the storm end right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, here's what's interesting about deserts, and I made this note just, just so you understand so, um, and can remember this as you're thinking about seasons. Um, Jesus was led into a desert. Paul was led into a desert. Elijah and Philip and even Joseph and, Joseph and Mary were led into desert seasons. So if you find yourself there, um, don't be discouraged. Sometimes God leads us there for a reason to do an inner work and a deep work. And so if you're there, regardless of whatever season you find yourself in, respond to the season. Okay, if, Especially if it's a hard season, Increase your feeding of the word as much as you can. Turn on worship music and, and sing in the dark if you have to. Okay, if you've got to sing in the dark, sing in the dark. If you don't feel like singing, just pour some worship music on, get you some coffee, and just sit and just listen. Okay, 
but he sees you. He's with you in the season, but don't clip out, okay? Because it's a season. And as you respond to that season, okay, God will bring you out of that season. I don't know how long it will take, but I can promise you, I'm coming out of a, my wife and I are coming out of a desert season that, that's, for her, it's been 18 years. For me, my own, it's been really since August. And it started with some major prophetic stuff that was going on in our lives, and we're all excited, and all of a sudden, boom, desert. And I'm going, what in the world? What happened? And I started looking at my heart and saying, oh my goodness, is there sin somewhere? And I'm looking at everything, and God's going, you're in a season, I'm trying to deepen something. Just respond to me in this season. Just respond. All right, verse 22. Keep going. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Amen. It's true. Here's the deal. When you when you're one of the pathways, especially and this is this is why I felt like the Lord gave this to me after the, the, the point after the seasons pathway, is you've got to restore your reservoir of faith. So when you're going through seasons, especially tough times, one of the pathways to your purpose is you need to constantly restore and activate your reservoir of faith. Look, faith is a currency of heaven, right? What does the word says? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He rewards us according to our faith because our faith, when we exercise our faith, we're exercising something that's beyond us. We're tapping into the presence of God and his love for us, okay? Based on who we are, not who we're not, Okay, and who are you? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're born again, then you're a son or a daughter. You're not a slave. So as a king's kid, we have all the rights, all the privileges as king's kids. And so Jesus is saying, look, whatever you need, ask. Whatever you desire, ask. We have a good dad. We have a great father. And he loves us and he, he desires. And here's the fun part about this. Because of our position in Christ, okay, the way that this works is we think we're asking what's in our heart. As we're in communion with him, he begins to put the desires in our heart. And then we begin to pray what those desires are because they're in line with his will, right? And then he begins to answer them. And we're thinking, wow, God, you're answering my prayers. And he's like, yeah, because... You're, you're turning your affection to me, and I'm putting those desires in there, which are my will for your life. And so as you're praying towards your purpose, because I have a plan for your life. What's Jeremiah say? I have a purpose. I have a plan for your life. It's good plans. It's hope. It's a future, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. And so he's saying, as, you're pr as you pray that towards me, what am I going to do? I'm going to answer your requests. I'm going to answer your prayer because you're praying my will. So, restore your reservoir of faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. Our position, we're a believer, we're sons and daughters, we're not slaves. 
one of the guys that uh, when I was in the, there was a guy named Dr. David Smith. He made this quote a couple weeks ago when I was in uh, Switzerland. He's, uh, he's the pastor of Kingsgate Church in the UK. He said this, our greatest problem is lack of identity, not knowing and living from who we are. Our greatest problem is a lack of identity. We don't respond to seasons. We don't, res- we don't activate or increase our reservoir of faith. We don't respond to divine appointments. We, we don't do that sometimes because we forget who we are. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're, you're beloved by him. And Jesus, what does it say? He says he's interceding at the Father right now on your behalf. Every time you make a request, he's interceding for us right now. All right, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Here's here's point number five. If you you are going to fulfill your purpose... One of the pathways is the reality of dealing with offenses and dealing with unforgiveness towards other people. And here's the pathway. You must reconcile your relationships. You must. You will not get to clep out of this. You're not going to be able to. When you're on your journey and you're, on your, you're going through those phases that I shared with you, there's going to be, in Luke, I don't remember the address of the scripture, but it says it's impossible that offenses won't come. I mean, the principle is this. People are going to offend you. There's going to be something that something's, you know, maybe I've already offended you this morning, right? So, but somebody's going to say something that offends you. Somebody's going to do something. Something's going to happen. You're going to have a breakdown in a relationship. And in those moments, you have a choice. You have a decision. Am I going to walk the pathway of reconciliation that Jesus taught and just release? Or am I going to walk the way of the world? Because Jesus modeled, how do you take over a world? He said, forgiveness, love, acceptance, humility. Let me encourage you with this. Do an inventory. As As we get ready to enter Resurrection Sunday next weekend, over this next week, and you're praying, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal, who do I need to make this right? What, what in my heart, do, who do I need to release? Who do I need to let go of? Who do I need to pray? Who do I need to make that phone call to? Who do I need to write that letter to? I'm telling you, this is so tied to who you, who you are and what God wants to do in your life. It's bigger than what you realize. Um. This, this point in particular, there was, a, there was a defining moment in my life in ministry about six, seven years ago. And, and I had one of my best friends, and it was, there was an offense that happened, and, and it, it, I was hurt. I mean, it was like a big deal um, for me personally. And, and I'll never forget the Friday uh, when that happened. And I was, I was, I mean, I'm a crybaby anyway, you know, so it just is what it is. But... But I, it was one of those things, it was a deep wound, and I never dreamed that this dude would do this. And in that moment, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Todd, right now, right now you have to release. Right now you've got to forgive. 
And I'm like, yeah, Lord, I'll forgive. I'll get over it later. And he goes, no, 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 right now. You need to start confessing. You need to start releasing. You need to start praying blessing, right? You need to start praying blessing. I had to stay in, in this situation for a year. Okay? What I didn't understand at the moment is that unbeknownst to me through a chain of divine appointments, okay, small baby steps of obedience. Remember what I said at the very beginning? Um, that was tied to me releasing an offense. God began to move in my family's life and then it ended up a gateway and, and there's a whole story in that and then our kids both met their spouses since we moved to Texas. I mean, all this stuff, amazing stuff God was doing. But he told me, Todd, it started back here. I want to tell some of you today, there's something you're holding on to. And if you want to change a world, if you want to live your purpose, it's tied to you releasing an offense. And so I want to encourage you to do that. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Release, restore, and reconcile all your relationships. Um, why don't you stand with me?